0: devil is a liar. And one of the lies that he wants you to go for is that God's word isn't true. Well, not true might be a bit tough. How about it's not all that relevant? Or this? Surely it doesn't really apply these days, does it? At least not this bit eh? and not that bit. Bernie Diamond. And welcome again to the program as we continue taking a look at another of Satan's great lies from a different perspective. Great to be with you again today, and we're continuing on in our series called The Top Ten Lies. The Devil Wants You to Believe. Now, right up there, you might be saying to yourself, this guy on the radio is loopy. He he believes in the existence of the devil. Woo! And as we saw on a Monday, you'd be in agreement with around 78% of people in the U.S. who call themselves Christians because they don't believe in the devil either. That's lie number one. We looked at that on Monday. If the devil can trick us into believing that he doesn't exist at all, bingo, he's won. He's actually very good at that. Lie number two, which we explored yesterday on the program, is that the devil works very hard to get us to believe that not only does he not exist, But neither does God. And if that doesn't work, then he moves on to lie number three, which is that what God has to say isn't true. And you see that lie for the very first time in only the third chapter of the first book of the Bible. And so often what the devil does is he doesn't confront us over the big truths head on. That'd be too hard. Why try and knock over the tower through a full frontal attack? No. What he does is he chips away at the foundations until the whole fortress just crumbles, and all of a sudden, we don't know anymore what we believe. It's just what he did to Adam and Eve. We had a look at Satan's first encounter with humanity on Monday, but let's take another look at it from a different angle. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You won't die, because God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll end up being like God, knowing good from evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make her wise, she took of its fruit, and she ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Do you notice how rather than taking on what God had said head on, Satanist comes along He disguises himself as a serpent and then twists the truth and dishes it up in a different form. God's instruction to Adam and Eve was that you can have the whole blinking lot in the garden. Just don't touch this one tree smack bang in the middle. Don't eat the fruit. And Satan twists that into a lie saying, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, Eve knows the truth, so she feeds it back to the serpent no, hang on, she says, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It's just this one tree right in the middle of the garden that God said, don't touch it and don't eat from it or you'll die. Now, you'd be thinking right there that that was an end to it. But Satan's smart. Instead of attacking the do-don't truth of God, he simply undermines the impact of doing that deed. God said, don't do it because you'll die. Satan says, no, no, no. You won't die. What will end up happening is your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. You, you'll you know as much as God. You'll know the difference between good and evil. It's not really a sin. And even if it is, it's only a small one. That's how he works. And that's how he works with the Bible too. He undermines God's living word. And here's how he does it. There are parts of the Bible that we just can't wrap our minds around. Some of the Old Testament law, for instance, the punishments seem totally outrageous. And so you can use those ones to undermine God's word. The West Wing is one of the best TV series ever to come out of the US, in my view. There's a great scene in one of the episodes where President Bartlett attacks a not-so-nice talk show host on a particular issue, and he hurls these Old Testament quotes in her face. He says, look, I'm interested in selling my youngest daughter into slavery, as sanctioned in Exodus, chapter 21 verse 7 she's a georgetown sophomore speaks fluent italian always cleaned the table when it was her turn what would a good price for her be my chief of staff leo mcgarry insists on working on the sabbath exodus chapter 35 verse 2 clearly says he should be put to death am i morally obliged to kill him myself or is it okay to call the police and here's one that's really important because i know we've got a lot of sports fans in this town Touching the skin of a dead pig makes one unclean, Leviticus chapter 11 verse 7. If they promise to wear gloves, can the Washington Redskins still play football? Can Notre Dame? Can West Point? Does the whole town really have to be together to stone my brother John for planting different crops side by side? Can I burn my mother in a small family gathering for wearing garments made of two different threads? Think about those questions, would you? Now, I think you'll agree the President Bartlett character has something of a point with those. Not only do those laws not apply to us, but it seems totally inconceivable that an all-loving God would give such laws to his people through Moses. And so, therefore, Bartlett's reasoning goes, everything in the Bible is up for grabs. There's no real truth. Did God really say? You see how easy it is to get on that slippery slope, and yet at the same time, There are clearly parts of the Bible written as it was over a few thousand years by a whole bunch of different people, the most recent books having been completed almost 2,000 years ago. There are parts of it that are bound not to make sense for us today. Would we put any of those laws that Bartlett was talking about in enactment today? Would we stone someone to death for planting two different crops next to each other? Would we stone a woman to death for wearing clothes made of different threads? Of course we wouldn't. Therefore, the devil's reasoning goes, a whole bunch of things are up for grabs. Really, the Bible is just a bunch of myths and legends. Maybe there are a few reasonable moral things in there, but come on, that's about it. That's the devil's logic, and it's very easy to follow his line of thinking. And yet, I believe, as many hundreds of millions of people across the globe do, that the Bible is the living word of God, alive, sharper than a two-edged sword. The hardest thing for people to agree to is not what the Bible says or whether the events recorded in it happened or whether it's true. The hardest thing for people to agree on is what it means to us today in a totally different time, a totally different culture from the times and the cultures in which its various books were written that's going to make a few Christians a bit squeamish. We we try not to think about that or talk about that too much, but it's true. There are bits that clearly don't make sense today. There are bits that clearly do. Which is which? That's what the arguments are all about, and the devil loves it. For my part, I believe the Bible is the living word of God. Yes, there are bits of it that I struggle with. There are bits of it that I don't understand. The ethnic cleansing in the book of Joshua is a great place to start. And yet there is a power and a consistency and a truth to God's word. The Bible is undeniable. Do I work hard in understanding not only what God says through his word and how it applies to me today? Yeah, I do. Much of the Bible is meant to be taken literally. Other parts, like the poetry in the Psalms, speaks to us in a different way. A book like the book of Revelation is a form of literature for which there's no direct parallel in 21st century English. But it speaks powerful truths by painting pictures. I'm a pretty hard-nosed kind of guy. I don't swallow fables easily. And yet I have come to the conclusion, like the Apostle Paul, that the Word of God is exactly that. It is the living Word of God. And that all Scripture is inspired by God, is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. work sometimes. And as that daily grind just kind of grinds away at us, it's easy to forget that Jesus died and rose again to give us victory. That's why every now and then, just as the Spirit leads, perhaps when you least expect it even, I'd love to send you a short text message of encouragement straight to your phone. That's what Victory SMS is all about. Roughly every other week, I ask the Lord what word of encouragement could I give today? So if you like the occasional word of encouragement, head across to victorysms.org and when you do subscribe, you'll immediately receive a free copy of my ebook Power Unlimited. Thousands already have and the most common response, "Hey, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. How did you know that? Thank you so much. It's simply amazing how powerfully the spirit of God can move through just a short text message." And I'd love to encourage you, too, to live your life in victory. Again, that web address is victorysms.org. I'm Bernie Diamond. Catch you again, same time tomorrow, with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.